Welcome to the Mentis Podcast. Today we have Adam Sharif with Next CRE. Adam, I appreciate you coming on. Thank you for having me, Nick. You have a very interesting company. You've had a long experience in the commercial real estate space, and now you're bringing tech into the real estate uh, right. sector. So, so tell us a little bit about it and, and kind of where you got the idea. All right. So, uh, when Nick CRE, what we do is we help. Uh, commercial estate lenders, uh, commercial real estate lenders who are partnering with us, gain line of sight into their own customers' uh, equity reinvestment and debt funding needs. Uh, about 20% of a lender's portfolio, generally speaking, right? Uh, about 20% of a lender's portfolio will run off every year. They'll be paid off uh, due to either sale or refi. Of that 20%, only 25% are refinanced, but 75% are paid off due to a sale. Lenders do a really good job of identifying those who are going to refinance. In fact, they're looking at the maturity dates on loans, and um, and two years ahead of the maturity, they'll contact the borrower whose loan's coming due and trying to get them to refinance. But 75% of those who are paying off their loan are doing it due, due to a sale. And once that happens, the lender no longer has a line of sight as to what they're going to be doing next, right? Because the loan's paid off. They're no longer a customer. They might have another loan with them. But as far as that uh, uh, partnership is concerned, as far as that LLC or that uh, ownership structures, uh, that's an exiting uh, customer for the lender. And... Um, so we've came up with a concept that will allow lenders to know not only um, uh, what uh, they're going to be doing, those uh, borrowers, what they're going to be doing once they pay off their loan, but also to help those borrowers identify their next reinvestment. Because of the 75%, 60, but two thirds of those people who are selling their properties will be reinvesting the cash from the sale to buy another property. It's a giant market. It's about 70,000 transactions a year. Uh, they buy about $400 billion worth of um, uh, investment properties and invest $150 billion in equities, $250 billion in debt. That's a giant market. And uh, giving uh, lenders uh, a better site or a clear line of sight to those borrowers' next move is a very valuable proposition for the commercial real estate lenders. Um, uh, commercial real estate lenders who are partnering with us get a dashboard and they get to see those activities um, and uh, jump in at any time and, and provide the acquisition uh, funding uh, for that uh, for that next uh, for the reinvestment of, of cash by these uh, borrowers or ex borrowers. Um, so let's, and, let, let's let's take that a little bit step by step here. So we're selling a property. We have a bank, mm -hmm. and the bank will either typically, like you were saying, in a refinance, will know, okay, hey, this is going to stay on the books for a while longer. It's going to be a profitable loan. They can count on it in their pipeline. But if you're selling, that relationship ends, and then. I go on and I find a new property and likely a new lender, or at least I start shopping it out to other lenders. Mm -hmm. What makes the buyer uh, or the person who's selling the property, the, 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 I guess, what makes the operator put information on your platform uh, that, because obviously the lender, this is valuable to the, to the lender, but what makes it valuable to the operator? I, a great question. So uh, one thing um, we know about, uh, people, uh, investors who want to invest money, they want to see every opportunity in the marketplace. Uh, 
And uh, especially true for those who must reinvest. You know, uh, we call them uh, must-buy investors. Those are folks that are using 1031 exchange rules or a tax code to defer taxes on those gains. So when when they get a notice from their lender that um, that they want to help them identify their next property, there's an assumption, a correct assumption on part of the borrower that that lender has other borrowers that may have uh, properties that they want to sell off market or otherwise, or maybe there's a distressed opportunities the lender is dealing with with one of their borrowers, and maybe that's an opportunity they can look at. So and they wouldn't be able to do that until uh, unless they told the lender exactly what they wanted to buy. Let me step back a little bit a little, even further back and and, and tell you uh, how we get to even know this is going on uh, we use what we call an early warning signal which is a, a fancy term for saying uh, a, a request for a loan payoff when a borrower has a property and they're going to pay off their loan uh, due to a sale the loan docs will say yeah you know you gotta let me know the lender's loan docs will tell the borrower that you gotta let the lender know 30 to 45 days ahead of when you're paying off the loan that you'll be paying off the loan the lender needs that time for a variety of reasons and as soon as the lender receives that notice from the borrower we call it early warning signal immediately uh, our platform uh, because we use an API with our lending partners, we'll send to that borrower an email with a link to a questionnaire um, uh, that's branded with a lender's logo. So as far as the borrower is concerned, he's getting the message from the lender, not from Nick CRE. And the message uh, from the lender is, hey, tell us why you're paying off your loan. Well, there are only two choices, either refinancing or selling. And if you're selling, the lender will ask, well, uh, are you planning on reinvesting the proceeds? And if the answer is yes, the questionnaire continues and it's at, and asks, well, what do you want to buy? Where do you want to buy it? How much equity are you going to have? And what's your price range? And um, so once the borrower uh, receives that, completes the questionnaire, it shouldn't take the borrower more than a minute, minute and a half the most to complete the questionnaire and submit it. That information gets onto our platform and uh, we're not a listing site. So you don't get on our platform and see a list of must-buy investors. But if you're a property seller, you upload your property information. Again, we're not a listing site. You don't get to, you can upload your property information anonymously. No one will know it's on our platform other than the MBIs that you matched with. So like a dating site, you upload your property information, we'll match you with multiple uh, must-buy investors, and you pick and choose which ones you want to send the property to uh, based on amount of equity they have and number of days until the selection deadline. Um, so um, you asked me how I came up with this concept. Uh, this is an old, old concept that I created when I was at GMAC. Uh, uh, when I was at GMAC, I ran the equities transaction group. I was a member of the senior management committee at GMAC. And we had a servicing portfolio at that time, about $300 billion. Today, that's that would be a gigantic uh, amount. Um, we were by far the largest player in the marketplace. We were the 800-pound gorilla. And, uh, and, as a, and we would look at, and I would get access to all kinds of data as to what was going on in the marketplace. And I noticed that most of the loans that were being paid off were being paid off through the sales. So I asked, well, what's going on here? There's a capital event. How can we take advantage of it? The answer is, well, they're not refinancing. We don't care. And I'm like, wait, I don't want the equities transaction group. There's a, there is a capital event involving tons of equity. Uh, I most certainly care to learn more. And I was given free reign to go 
research it as much as I wanted. So we contacted those borrowers and asked them, um, you know, what they were going to do once they paid off their loan. Two thirds of them said, "Hey, we're going to reinvest it," and we asked them if they'd be interested in seeing opportunities from from us. And of course, as I mentioned before, they assumed correctly that we had all these other borrowers, you know, thousands of other borrowers, uh, tens of thousands of other borrowers at that time, and. And um, some of them could be uh, uh, in trouble. You know, maybe it's a defaulted uh, uh, opportunity, or maybe uh, or, or distressed opportunity, or maybe it's a property seller that doesn't want to list their property but would sell it to you know if they had the right um, if they had the right buyer and uh, and place. Um, and so they were very excited to to tell us exactly what we needed to uh, need it from them in terms of what they were going to buy and everything else. And then we went uh, and contacted our other borrowers who were actually um, uh, thinking about selling their property, asked them if they'd be interested in selling their properties to these 10 own exchange buyers, who we now call must-buy investors. The response was universal, right? Oh, these people have their cash on hand. Uh, they have a very short time to make a decision. So as a property seller, I know I'm not going to get strung along, right? I got a real um, uh, high probability uh, uh, buyer here. And because they were investing cash that otherwise would go to be paying taxes, I know as a property seller, they care more about deliverability than they care about having making the deal of the century. Uh, so they were very excited to say, yeah, yeah we'd we'll love to sell our property to your must-buy investors. It worked too well. It got to the point where we couldn't, it was it was like shooting fish in a barrel, except it got to the point that we could not service all the customers, all the business that we had. We uh, Back then, we had phone, fax, and FedEx is most uh, often used source of um, communication, and that just wasn't enough. Even when we were identifying the needs of our investors 90 days ahead of the selection deadline, by the time you collected information from one side and, and collected information from the other side and I started communicating it back and forth. We remember we didn't have emails or attachments and Adobe. You know we didn't have any of that stuff back then. It got to a point where we just got um, uh, we started embarrassing ourselves because we couldn't handle the volume. When we one of my team members would see an opportunity, uh, they would shepherd to closing as opposed to working on new deals coming in all the time. And so I would have had to hire another 80, 90 people to take advantage of the opportunity, which I didn't have been doing so i left uh, uh i left to become a developer i bought uh, i developed in three different states illinois texas florida uh florida is where most of our deals were and in fact in florida the first um, deal we did here was an acquisition of a george soros REIT that included a 517 unit waterfront property a uh, uh, waterfront uh, apartment complex and it um it, it was a fantastic opportunity we went on to develop thousand unit townhouse developments and a bunch of other stuff and about three years ago, uh, seeing what technology was doing uh, to various different industries, I started thinking about what technology could do um, with the concept we had back at GMAC. The problem we had back then was we couldn't handle the volume because we didn't have a fast enough way to communicate information. Well, with technology being what it is today, that problem went away. And uh, so, um, of course, I didn't I no longer work for GMAC, so I had to go find lenders that wanted to partner with us. And, and it took us about two and a half years to build the platform, uh, uh, find lenders to partner with us. And today we have lenders that partner with us across the nation, from LA to Miami, Chicago, Detroit, Texas, New York and a bunch of other places in between. And um, uh, so uh, it took time to build that and started starting this year, we started allowing our 
our um, uh, lending partners start using our platform and right now we're having really good success. Well, that's, uh, thank you for the, the background there. I mean, that's a really fascinating story and it makes a lot of sense. I see, at least from kind of what I'm here hearing, it sounds like there's really two value propositions here. One is to the lender who can at least be notified, hey, that loan is being paid off and, okay, I'm going to send out the survey. This person is going to be reinvesting. Let me get the the uh, commercial loan officer on the phone with the customer and call them and say, hey, we're here. Uh, you know, we would love to work with you again, or potentially that's that's one option. Yeah. I, right, if I may, you. just a little, uh, they don't even have to make a phone call. They, uh, the, uh, the bar, the lender gets a dashboard where they can see the activities. They can see what properties the must buy investors is reviewing. They can see the kind of information they're receiving on that property from the seller, rent roll, operating information, all that sort of stuff. They can see when, if, if the uh, must buy investor was submitting and would be submitting an offer. So they have all this data right there on their uh, dashboard and they can come in and be a little bit more proactive and give them a specific quote. I see you're looking at this property. Here's how we see it. We have all the information to underwrite it. And based on that information, here's a quote. And by the way, uh, since this is a direct quote to you, meaning there aren't any outside brokers piling on fees, your cost to do this deal uh, take our loan is lower than it would be if, if a broker was coming in and bringing you that deal. Right. So, you know, I, I nothing against brokers, uh, but the direct shot at, at that industry is, you know, frankly, I think needed. A lot of times there's brokers who don't provide a lot of value and they just want a large fee. Um, other times they, they more than deliver it. And I, you know, that that's when you're happy to pay them. But in this particular instance, it really sounds like you're kind of just playing matchmaker with lender and borrower who previously already had a loan with them and kind of just making it a little bit easier for them to stay in touch. And, um, and yeah. I would say it a little differently. What we do is we connect the must buy investor with property sellers. Okay. Uh, we, um, uh, the connection exists between the lender and the exiting borrower, right? Uh, whether it's the connection being broken or not, there was a connection there. We're trying to maintain that connection. We're trying to make sure that the lender does not lose that connection that they already have. So that's what we do for the, um, for the lender. Must buy investors now. They can uh, they uh, now the value to them is now they have a greater number of opportunities to look at in terms of acquisition. Well, okay, and, so that. That's the second value proposition that I was seeing. And it, so on the lender side, are you providing all of that for free to the lender? Yes. I figured as much. So you you just go there, you partner, here's the dashboard, just incorporate it. Easy, right? Right. And you're not you're not getting anything even if they close on that loan. Exactly. You're charging the 1031 guy, uh, excuse me, the probably the buyer um, or, or the seller. I'm not sure who, who, where are you getting your money on the- on I was, was going to let you go with that until I was going to tell. And then- so, uh, no, we don't charge anything uh, to the borrower either, the must-buy investor. We don't charge them anything. It's all free to them. The only people that pay anything are the commercial real estate sellers or brokers who list those properties. By the way, we are very, very broker-friendly. We are, um, in fact, if you go on our site, play our um, uh, play uh, on how it works, we encourage property sellers 
who aren't coming to our site with a broker to use a broker. We don't demand it, but we do encourage sellers to use brokers because we think brokers add real value. Um, you know, maybe not. Maybe they're not the value. Maybe they're not creating the value of being the procuring cause. But property sellers need brokers a lot more uh, than just finding being the procuring cause what they need is representation they need someone to help them uh, basically be the shock absorber between the two parties because sometimes um, you get personalities getting away and styles and and they don't always match very well and that's job is a job of a broker is to make sure that that doesn't get in the way that's the listing that, broker but you also have like loan brokers loan brokers are, right yeah and that's so, that's you're taking you're trying to get that out of the deal yeah and, and broker stays yeah, I will tell you, within even a mortgage banking business, uh, loan brokers are are, um, are not uh, viewed at the same level. You know, they you know, we we're better off without having um, mortgage bankers are different. Mortgage bankers they have their own loan, you know, their own sure so that's different. But but mortgage brokers are um, are in commercial real estate can sometime add. Uh, and they, they create value too, don't get me wrong, but they can also sometimes increase uh, borrowers' borrowing costs as well. It so, also um, attracts uh, sometimes at the lower level, it attracts kind of a um, an unsuccessful salesman, if you will. And they, they can go sell the world to the person who um, is looking for a loan, but they can't deliver on, on the other side. And then it can slow the transactions down or they just really, in a way, causing... Uh, causing pain or, or, you know, kind of slow down to the deal, but not to, not to go off on, on that tangent, but the, the listing property. So like we're selling a property, we list it on your site mm -hmm. with or without a broker. Mm -hmm. The only people seeing these are people who are must buy investors. That are matched with you. So we don't, so if a, so if a must buy investor wanting to buy a property in New York City isn't going to be matched with a property seller selling a property in LA. But first of all, it's only must buy investors. Second, only the ones that are matched that have a matched need to your selling side. So if there's an MBI in Miami and, and there's a property seller in Miami or uh, or someone wanting to sell a property they have in Miami, uh, then those two will be matched. So I sell the property on your site. I'm now instantly considered a must-buy investor if I'm doing a 1031, and then now I'm being shown properties. So it's so let's let's say um, uh, you send you notice to your borrower that you're paying off your loan. Right there, we're going to determine whether you're going to be reinvesting or not. If not, if you are, then you are a must-buy investor, and those who are selling your property will also uh, will get matched with you. Uh, based on what you're looking for. And then uh, if that property seller then wants to reinvest themselves, because two thirds of the time they do, uh, then we will try to talk to their lender, try to partner, if we're not a partner of their lenders, we'll, uh, we'll reach out to their lender, trying to be, uh, make them a partner of ours so they too can have the benefits of other, our other lending partners will have. Um, but that's basically how it's it's not it's not difficult. It's simple. We we see the cycle. We see uh, the business as as a as cyclical as opposed to a straight line, right? You know, as transaction starts, transaction finishes. That's how most people look at it. That's, we don't look at it that way. We see this as a as a um, as a circular uh, world where your today's buyers are tomorrow sellers, tomorrow sellers is 
uh, day after tomorrow's buyers and that sort of stuff. So, um, uh, so that's how we look at it. So we have value proposition for the must buy investor. They get to see more opportunities than otherwise would. They, they have a better chance of getting a loan from their lender that has a lower cost to it. Uh, to, uh, to the property seller, they get to sell their properties um, to uh, the, the most desirable investors in the marketplace, increase their uh, probability of closing, reduce their marketing uh, time and cost. Uh, so that's for the property sellers. And for the lender- now, the property sellers have to notify that they're going to be paying off their loan to be- List to then get access to the buyer side. So like no, like a general buyer. Let's say like a third party just has equity from running their other company or whatever wants to come in and buy one of these sites. That's not who you're targeting right now. You are not. Okay. No. That that's for other. You know, that's for other sites. Right. You're you're targeting kind of the the investor who's already in sells their property is going to be. I, I I see. It's it's a little different. I mean, that's definitely a a, a different approach here. How many people do you have on the platform? Uh, what do you mean, number of people? You mean yes, number how many of people properties? Are, yeah, how many people are using? Oh, we have hundreds of thousands of property sellers uploading their property information. We are uh, on a daily basis. We're getting new MBIs on our platform. Yes, just yesterday, we got an MBI from one of our lenders. True story. Uh, the um, the MBI has got over hundred million dollars in equity and is looking to acquire. Uh, uh, apartment buildings um, uh, valued between 150 to 225 sweet spots going to be around 175 million low leverage perfect type of op, um, uh, lending opportunity for a lender because low leverage loans are, are the most desirable kind in this market right you, uh, you you don't know there's a lot of uncertainty you don't know where interest rates going to be you don't know if there's a recession or not we, we don't know how uh, inflation is going to play out so much uncertainty, but you still want to do business as a lender. You still want to put money out. So you have an opportunity to put out such a large amount of money on a pro on on uh, on an acquisition at uh, forty percent LTV. Well, that's 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 exactly what you want. You get a higher interest rate. You got lower leverage. It's a safe loan. You got an opportunity to put out a lot of money and one. Uh, so, so this is a great opportunity for the uh, the lender as well. As, uh, but here's one other here's one other value proposition we haven't discussed. The seller pays three quarters of a point on on a successful transaction. Yeah, I was going to Successful. That's actually a great. <laughs> it's a great amount. That's, I mean, that's extremely low. Yeah, and we give two thirds of that to the lender, so the lender gets uh, fifty basis points as well as opportunity to originate a new loan. So those are the oh, that's, so, so now you're really incentivizing the lender to call. They're a partner. They're a true partner. Without them, we wouldn't have a product. Our product is providing access to must buy investors. So how and, many sellers know that the lender is getting an extra fifty bips at the sale because they might start beating up these lenders on their origination fees if they knew. Uh, the sellers and lender don't, they, they, they're not, they don't meet at all. They're the, the, uh, the seller is selling his property, paying the fee, but they're not engaged with it. Uh, with the, I'm, uh, I'm sorry. The buy, the new buyers are coming in. They're getting the, approached by a, the loan officer. Well, not only will the new, uh, not only will the new pro the new loan that they'll be getting not have a brokerage fee on it. Right. But they don't pay anything. It doesn't cost them anything at all. And so, um, uh, so this is a partnership that, you know, those 
fees from the selling side are going to get paid anyway. The buyer knows that. And the fact that the, some of that money will go to a lender is irrelevant because that borrower is no longer a customer of that lender anyway, right? He sold his property. He might be a future borrower, but that's okay too. Um, so they, I've never, I haven't heard any borrower say, hey, you know, uh, you're making money here, you're making money there. So no, it, know, doesn't, it doesn't seem like it matters. I mean, it, yeah. came, it came out of the seller's pocket. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so you guys walk away with 25 bips a transaction. Mm -hmm. uh, it sounds like you need high volume or you must have, an extremely uh, tight skeleton crew <laughs> trying to trying to survive on those uh, fees. Uh, the answer is yes to both. Uh, again, remember this is this is a four hundred billion dollar year market. All right. So um, if we just did twenty five percent of that, that would be a hundred billion dollars a year. Right. Twenty five basis points on a hundred million is I think 250 million a year. So yes, uh, we're doing, our goal is to have volume, 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 and more volume. Is there a deal size that's too small? That's the, that's the thing. I just gave you an extreme example, right? Which is very unique because the average, uh, average uh, must buy invested deal is around 7 million, but they range from anywhere from six figures to nine figures. Of course. You know, uh, yeah. So, so um, I, I think our system would uh, would uh, would start flagging things that are less than you know quarter of a million or something like that. We start saying, "Wait a minute, this uh, are you sure you got this? You got are you sure you got this thing right?" Um, but so yeah, so they although it's seven average is seven, it can go from a you know quarter million to you know I just give you an example of uh, of someone looking to buy something and. $175 million uh, sweet spot. Yeah, you guys are really running the gamut of, of size there. I mean, that's that's some of the larger deals in the country. And it's yeah. like I said, what um, we just did a case study. It's like whatever whatever the lenders, borrowers are, are paying off, right? How much cash are they going to have? It's all up up to that. Uh, Lumen, who's our most recent uh, partner, Lumen is uh, Oryx company. Oryx has $85 billion in asset under management. And Lumen has $50 billion in loans with 7,000 borrowers. And um, and Lumen, uh, and, and, and we just got an MBI from them on, uh, on someone looking to invest $4 million, right? I mean, no, buy for a, lot, a property at $4 million. So it's, it's really all over the place, you know. So we've got this hundred, you know, someone has over a hundred million dollars they want to reinvest, and then we've got those folks that have a million dollars they want to reinvest. So it just so it's uh, so it's a wide, wide range. So if I'm sitting there as a new commercial loan officer, it sounds like I would do anything to get my hands on your information, um, especially if I was seeing other lenders customers uh getting no you know like access to other lenders uh that are going to have their customers leaving them it, wouldn't you just be picking up the phone and calling and just saying hey i see what you know you're you're going to be selling or you're going to be isn't that kind of like the it's a huge value to the to the lender or is that really not the the target it's just kind of going to be something that happens we we want to have partnership with every commercial real estate lender in the nation but when you're when you're uh 
when you're presenting a brand new concept, something that's never been done, something that almost sounds almost too good to be true, you start thinking, okay, there's strings attached here. I don't know where they are. I don't know, uh, uh, you know, I don't know where to even start looking. Uh, you know, I, I'll let someone else go first, which is exactly what happened. And, you know, we, uh, the first lender was the hardest lender we, uh, we signed and on and on. It took, took us the longest time to sign. But, but each time we sign a new lender, the next one becomes a little easier. And so um, as we start showing uh, other lenders actual proof of monies being put into lenders' pockets, uh, 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 lenders actually seeing their borrowers' borrowing costs get reduced, um, then you're going to, then there's less to, uh, then there's less to worry about in terms of unforeseen dangers that, um, um, uh, that might make this whole thing uh, undesirable uh, because you because other lenders have had the same concern and if they've gone through it, they've signed off on it, their uh, uh, compliance department has signed off on it, their legal has signed off on it, their marketing uh, group has signed off on it, then, then maybe I should take a better look at this and, and see exactly how it works. That's our goal. We're looking to add to our lender liaison team. These are people whose responsibilities are to sign you commercial real estate lenders as partners. It doesn't sound like there'd be much liability to them. I mean, if you keep your documents really <laughs> straightforward, there'd be no liability to them. Just And it can be canceled at any time uh, for any reason or no, or no reason at all. <laughs> the only thing we do ask our lending partners is that that they agree not to do the same thing with someone else for a period of three years, meaning that that if someone else comes in, a Johnny come lady, a copycat, wanting to do what we're, what we're doing, we're just asking the lender that that uh, just because they're uh, they're going to give you an extra five basis points or something like that, that wouldn't be fair to us, wouldn't be fair to the investments we've made and the commitments we've made. Sure. So we ask you to wait for three years. It's it's the way we create our moat. To keep these copycats from jumping in and and uh, and and doing what we're doing. So, being from the real estate sector, two things come to mind. One, are you cash flow focused for your company as a tech startup, or are you kind of going the private equity route and grow big and then sell it? Uh, and two, where did you get the uh, the programming knowledge? And have you always been into tech and and you know been able to kind of go across the sectors? No, no, I, no, no. We uh, that's part of that's part of building the the, the company, the platform. When you're looking to uh, build anything, you have to identify the components necessary. But if you're building something that's never been built before, that's not that easy to do. So it takes a while. You do you do have a good idea of a high level um, in, in terms of the components you need. But you need to have the team to sort of uh, build the components first, and then. Uh, Put the components together and everything like that. So we uh, we did a uh, I mean uh, we had several people that uh, on our tech side, um, not all of them worked out. Uh, some of them just had gaps that just weren't good. But our current tech team is fantastic. I can't say anything we have is so original and as far as tech that that it would be proprietary, like no one else has ever done it. The matchmaking part has been done, you know, on, on dating sites and things like that. The uploading property information is nothing new. Um, the, um, you know, uh, identifying um, 
uh, you know, doing that Google map thing and, and making sure that you identify the markets where you want to be and all that sort of stuff. It takes time to create all that, but the and it takes time to put together the architecture, but none of it is such that it's it's so brand new that if, uh, if it didn't exist, we wouldn't be in business sort of thing. It's just uh, tech, we're tech enabled, not a tech company. That's the, sure. way, I would, that's the way I would describe what we are. But yeah, uh, we have an amazingly uh, talented team. Um, doing the tech, building the platform was probably what took the longest to do uh, because we were starting from scratch and we didn't have any architecture. We didn't have anything. You know, we started out with, I mean, our first, it was just so rudimentary, right? I mean, just initially. Yeah, uh, I mean, you, you got to start with the wire framing out and yeah. like this, this is what's going to happen. It, it takes a lot of time. And then yeah. kind of building that technical spec out, I, I totally understand what you guys went through. And uh, I was just curious on that front. What about the cash flow side? Are you, are you guys going to- We're, we're all about generating cash flow. Okay. And we're, we're about both. Here, we are a private equity uh, backed uh, platform, but our private equity uh, uh, partners are really uh, very adamant that we provide positive cash flow uh, and, and uh, and uh, our um, partnership agreement, the terms of of their investment is such that if we don't, we get penalized. So yeah, so we're at, we're very very interested in in being uh, cash flow positive uh, sooner rather than later. But at the same time, we're also trying to scale. We're trying to sign new lenders and everything else, getting up, getting them to start using our platform. Uh, and yeah, but uh, there is we... something to be said about doing both at the same time. And you know, I think the tech industry got drunk on cheap money and they just grew and grew and you know that oh, we have a burn rate of x amount a month and it doesn't matter if we're not going to make money for the next five years we'll just keep raising more and more and more but times get tough and then some of those companies go away and i, I think that the appetite for that you know it's still out there i'm sure but it's it's probably less attractive to investors who would like to see maybe just a little slower of a growth but Okay, they're actually maturing. They're growing their cash flow. Now we're not just growing top line, but we're also getting profitable, and we can actually see this scaling. And I think that's more. I think it's more desirable. But um, oh, of course. But in a lot, of, but everyone says, everyone when when people when they see a successful model, they want to copy it. So Facebook, yep. right? You know, Mark Zuckerberg. Says, I don't care about revenue. I don't care about revenue. I want users. I want users. I want users. And and that, of course, turned out to be spectacularly uh, uh, successful. And you know, Twitter and I mean, on and on and on. They were they had, we, they were like count like I shouldn't say countless, but there were so many of these tech companies that that weren't making any money, but had you know uni unicorn valuations. It was you know it was crazy. So you're a new VC. You're out there raising money. You want to model you know, your uh, platform, it. like like all the rest, and they all start doing the exact same thing. And one of the things I've noticed in commercial real estate is uh, those who have launched commercial real estate platforms have all been successful in B2C marketplaces yep. and uh, in residential marketplaces and thinking, well, they can just take that and bring it on to commercial real estate. 
and they'll have the same level of success. Today, to that to date, I don't know of one commercial estate marketplace that's been successful or is successful. Uh, in fact, there was one recently, Lev, I don't know if you're familiar with them, but they raised $200 million and they just closed the entire, they were a debt platform. That's their whole job was to provide, um, uh, basically be a broker. Um, and they just closed the entire uh, uh, loan origination uh, platform, which is, the whole business, which is the whole, uh, which was the main, now they're just going to start selling uh, their software to, to lenders uh, doing whatever. I don't know. Sure. Um, but, but it's, it's, it's very interesting that you don't see a whole lot of people in commercial real estate with background in commercial real estate, launching commercial real estate uh, tech platforms. It's, it's very, it's very unique. The ones who are doing it have almost no experience in commercial real estate, uh, and they're getting in, they're trying all kinds of stuff, but people that are in the business aren't doing anything. I'm mean, just blows my mind. We have as a team, 150 years of commercial estate capital markets experience. So we know the business and we're probably the only one out there that I am familiar with, uh, with that level of experience um, who've launched a uh, commercial estate tech enabled platform. Sure. Well, I mean, your experience is going to give. It's going to pay. It's going to pay dividends. I I have no doubt on that front. Um, what's the What's the end goal here? Are you going to sell it to a a you know big large company right off into the sunset? Or are you going to run this thing till you're uh, you know? Well, I'll. I'll uh, it's, it's a great question. I I'm much. Be, I'm a better builder than I am an operator. I mean, I learned that in real estate. I mean, I'm much. I'm, I'm much better at building. I'm much better at creating value, and, than I am at sitting back and clipping coupons and that sort of stuff. So when it gets to the point where where we're doing that, I'll be finding something else to do. Um, but I don't think about selling or or any of that sort of stuff. The company, someone else will make that decision down the line. But if we're as successful as we think we are, if we generate the kind of cash we think we will be able to uh, generate, and given how, that we're a very economically efficient platform, uh, any option we want will be available to us. Um, that's, so that's the you're, you're absolutely right. And you know, if you, if you have cash flow and you're profitable and you're continuing to grow and the tech, I mean, that, that's, that's really hitting it hitting a gold mine. So wish you absolutely the best. I hope that you guys kill it with it. Uh, before I let you go, quick current events. I think we hit peak interest rates this week or last week, rather. Um, that, that This recording's as of uh, May 9th, uh, 2023. So last week, Fed goes up another 25 basis points. Uh, I'm hoping that's the, the the peak, but you know we obviously got to watch what's happening with inflation. What's, uh, what's, your, what's your take on the market? Well, the consensus is that they're done, right, uh, with raising rates, and um, and there's all kinds of uncertainties, and some people are um, uh, are spooked by, uh, uh, well, are worried about crisis, all kinds of different crises coming up from what what I'm seeing as a many bank crises, if you will. Just you know, it's, a, it's not a big one. It's you know, yes, yeah, so, uh, every year banks fail, but not usually not banks this size. Um, and uh, so um, 
because of all of that uncertainty over the last six months, you know, end of last year, you know, beginning of this year, uh, transaction volumes have slowed tremendously. As people get to more comfortable, accustomed to the new normal, which is really the old normal, if you really think about it, rate, where rates are today aren't, all that, aren't that different than they were, you know, maybe 10 years ago, seven years ago, something like that. Yeah, we had to uh, lower um, uh, lower the Fed rate to deal with uh, the pandemic and that sort of stuff. But people will get used to the new normal and then they'll start um, uh, accepting it. And once that happens, we think deal flow will come in. There's about $600 billion of commercial estate loans that are coming due over the next 12 months. And um, in some of those, uh, and, and by the way, since most of those have been held for long period of time, seven, eight, nine, 10 years, average hold is seven years, let's say, there's been a tremendous amount of equity built into those uh, properties from uh, income, uh, from, from income inc increase and, uh, you know, uh, resulting in an appreciation of value. Uh, and uh, so those lenders aren't going to do anything. They might give you a couple of months of extension from the due date, just so you can ride out the uncertainty. But when People get back to realizing that this is the new normal. I think we're going to get back to the way it was, the way things used to be. Now, um, if you're a property seller and you have to, you're thinking, okay, I got refinanced and lock in my equity for another seven to ten years, or I, if I sell today, I have to sell a high cap rate than I would have a year ago. Uh, that's not attractive either. But those are my two options, right? So um, I'm going to go ahead and sell it because. Although I may not get the cap rate that I thought I was going to get a year ago, I can now reinvest my proceeds and buy a higher cap rate than I otherwise would have bought over a year ago. So, so the downside of selling in a down market is the upside of buying in a down market. And we all know in commercial real estate, you make your money on the buy. Uh, well said. I could not agree with what you just said more. There's an opportunity cost uh, to, to everything that we do, whether we stay in a refi or seller properties. And I think that you are spot on. You're the first person I've actually heard say that the transaction volume probably will tick up just because sellers will say, you know what? All right. I, even if I just get my money back, I'll, I'll take it back. And let's just go try another one because people are fee driven as well in the market and you know they just need to do transactions. So I, I, if they can ink out a 10, 15, 20% return, I'm, I'm pretty sure most sellers are going to take that put it on the market and walk, even though they could maybe hold on for another three or four years, potentially get a little bit more. But I think that they're going to say that opportunity cost of not doing another deal is probably greater uh, than hanging on. Yeah, locking up your equity uh, when you can buy in a down market doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And it's not like it's free because because uh, lending costs are not where they were a year ago, right? Oh, no. So lending costs uh, have gone up. If you want to, so you say, okay, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to, I think rates are going to go back to 2% or 1% or 0%, but it'll take two years or three years. I'm just going to get a bridge loan. Well, those bridge loans are no longer 5 6%. You got to pay 10% and such for those. If, if that, and those lenders these days are a lot more uh, cautious because it's the short term that's a problem, uh, uh, and and they're taking that they're taking a big risk there, so they're going to have a very low leverage anyway. So um, you know, uh, a lot of people uh, say, well, maybe I'll bring in more equity. Well, that's not cheap. <laughs> Bringing new equity in a down market is not you know it's it's not uh, free. Uh, yeah, it's, it's not, not a good story. Us. It's a tough story. <laughs> you know, yeah. You know, new yeah. equity is like what am, what am I doing here? And then yeah, it's not. It's not easy. It's I mean, not like, 
it's not it's not like your money's sitting in a bank doing nothing. You know, you've, you've got to invest in other places. You're taking it from there, and now you're going to be putting it here. And you know, you that's that's a cost you have to realize. That's a cost you have to consider. So, uh, so I do think that uh, uh, we're still going to have the same amount of. Uh, uh, loan payoffs due to a sale as we normally used to, except it's going to happen a little later in the year. I think mm -hmm. most of that activities have been pushed back maybe a quarter and you'll start seeing activities uh, um, uh, ramp up rapidly in the second half of this year. At least that's what I think. But what do I know? Yeah, well, crystal balls, right? But, you know. Um, <laughs> but I, my, my, my crystal ball sucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, we just got to keep pivoting and, and making the best decisions we can. Uh, you know, I certainly think that your platform has a really unique take on the market. I think it's awesome that you've kind of had a proven out business model uh, that just wasn't ready for prime time because the technology wasn't there. And now it is. And um, I really wish you the best with it. I certainly will uh, encourage folks in my circle to check it out. And uh, we'll have to circle back to make sure that you're, you're doing well, you know, a year from now. And I, again, we appreciate your time. If people, uh, if you know, are interested in, in learning more, whether it be on the banking side or uh, if they're looking to list properties, how can they reach out and, and get more information? Well, obviously they can, uh, uh, they can reach us at info at nextcre.com uh, or they can just go on our site, nextcre.com. Or if they want to reach me directly and I'm very approachable, so please don't be afraid. Uh, my email address is adam at randolphequities.com. Feel free to uh, reach out to me. You can reach out to me on LinkedIn as well. So uh, yeah, we're, uh, we, we believe in transparency. We believe in uh, being accessible. And uh, that's our entire model. We, our goal eventually is to create greater liquidity in commercial estate marketplace. That happens when you can provide speed and accuracy, um, and which is exactly what we do. Good luck. And I appreciate you coming on. I guess we'll leave it there.